Amen. Cool. Well, good morning, Oxford. Good morning. I might just need to organise my papers up here to see what's going on. Um, yes, like Al says, I'm Mark. Um, I am currently doing a year's apprenticeship with OCC, um, so which is good. I recently graduated from um, University of Oxford. Um, I was at um, Somerville, Somerville College doing history, um, which was great. Um, I also I work for the King Centre, which is this building that we're meeting in today. Um, so I, I worked out the other day that I've been in this building for over 45 hours this week alone. So, uh, yeah, this is like a second home to me at the moment, which is good. Um, yeah, actually, I come from Birmingham originally. Uh, and, yeah, on this Mother's Day, my mother has joined me. So you should all say a good welcome to her this, uh, this afternoon. Um, yeah, so my big passions in life, um, as well as TV sport, which it was actually like a really bad weekend for it with the Six Nations ending uh, this week and there being no Premier League football on TV. So that's, that's one of my main passions in life. My other big passion in life is house music and dancing and going out clubbing on the streets. And this is an important thing, which will come up quite a lot in this talk. Um, but yeah, I love really, I don't, know, I don't know if this might sound a little bit strange to some of you, uh, but one of my biggest passions in life is going out, meeting the Holy Spirit whilst on night, nights out, dancing in nightclubs. I don't know, it's something which I just find super easy to do in and amongst all this kind of crazy stuff that's going on around me. Uh, so much sin and temptation and whatnot, but I don't know, I get to meet the Holy Spirit in those places, uh, which has been incredible uh, for me. And this year, I've had the privilege of, yeah, being able to take that one step further. Um, so on the screens right there, you'll see this is a picture of a sunset. Actually, it makes like shivers go down my spine a little bit. Um, this is a sunset that you can see from um, the beach in Ibiza, um, where I spent a couple of weeks last summer um, with 24-7 prayer, doing uh, a few weeks of street outreach there. Um, so basically, we'd pick up uh, people who had too much to drink, uh, people who'd taken too many drugs. We'd like clean the vomit off their faces and uh, pour water down their throats until they sobered up. That sort of thing. Um, I absolutely loved it. It was like I was in my element, basically. Um, I, I might just seem like a completely different world to some of you. I don't know. Um, ever since then, I've had this real heart for Oxford's nightclubs as well. Um, and have, yeah, since September been gathering teams of students from Oxford to head out to Oxford's nightclubs, bringing the, the word of Jesus to, to those places. Um, so we'll go out with cookies and biscuits and so on um, and give them to people who, I don't know, maybe had a little bit too much to drink. Uh, but also, like, we get, um, we go into, like, the, the smoking areas of all these different clubs, um, which is, yeah, it's been incredible. Um, and it's been a real adventure for us. Um, we've seen doors open all over the place for us. Like, it's like bizarre. Bouncers are just like so happy to let us into their nightclubs and tell people about Jesus. Um, who, who knew that that would happen? And we found ourselves like stepping into this world of um, club owners and night promoters and bouncers. So, you know, all these people who kind of know us and we know them and we're like, in this weird community, we don't know how really this has happened, uh, apart from by God who's opening doors for us. 
Um, in fact, we, sometimes we just feel like we have complete authority over these places. Um, I remember one time a few months ago, um, we weren't even on outreach uh, one night. We just were going on a night out ourselves. Um, and we arrived at the club, and there was a 45-minute long queue. And it was one in, one out. They were like, well, what are we going to do? Um, so we started praying. <laughs> and uh, within a few minutes, one of the bouncers had come over to us. We had a chat with him. Um, he took us like all the way around the queue and let us in. And we just felt that that was just something of like God's, we had authority over these places. We can just like walk in there. If there's a queue, we'll walk past the queue. Like it's bizarre. God's just doing this stuff for us. Now this, yeah, like I say, it might sound like a completely different world uh, to some of you. Um, but what we're talking about this morning is going on adventures in prayer. Um, now, that title might have a bunch of different reactions uh, amongst you, and even like within yourself, I guess, um, that, those words, adventures. Um, so some of us, and some, something inside of us says, yes, adventures, uh, that kind of Bear grills mentality. Uh, we are not going there yet, Eleanor. <laughs> Um, let's go backwards, 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 backwards. Oh, yes. There we go. Let's stay here. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, adventures. Uh, this kind of Bear grills mentality. Let me at them. Let me go and change the world. Um, yeah, there's that, I, I can say, for me at least, I can definitely say that. That's what happens inside me when I hear this word. But I think there's also something that, that holds us back. Um, there's a bunch of practicalities for us to think about. Uh, we need to think about safety. We need to think about our day-to-day routine and how these things line up with the adventures that we can go on. Um, it can also be tempting to uh, consign our adventures as a church to a select few, maybe um, to leave it to, I don't know, Jack and Claire, our missionaries in East Africa, or Ben and Michelle in West Africa, you know, and say, oh, they're the ones that get to have an adventure. Um, we, I don't know, we just get on with day-to-day life. So I think this morning I'd like to think about what do our adventures look like. Um, and if we go forward one, Eleanor. Yes, there we go. Um, I think in our context, this, uh, yeah, just really comes down to anything that's daring or unusual um, or exciting um, and can work on like a number of different levels. So obviously there's these um, big overseas adventures that some of us get to go on. Um, and I do wonder this morning if um, potentially God's stirring anything in people's hearts for the nations. Um, it could be the case that amongst you there's, there's one or two of us who are like, well, there's at least one or two of us on the front row um, who are being stirred to the nations at the moment. Um, yeah, if God's challenging you on, that, you on that, that'd be really good to explore and pray through. Um, but also, I think there's, there's something about these everyday adventures that we get to have um, when we get to step out and talk to our colleagues and co-workers uh, or our friends and our neighbors and um, take a little bit of an adventure, take a step out, do something daring or exciting, tell them about Jesus or, I don't know, help them in some way that steps you out of your comfort zone. That sort of thing. Um, we can be stepping out and taking adventures in our everyday. There's also um, these adventures that are somewhere in between. 
Um, and so actually the turning would be a really good example of that. Um, Al did mention it, but we'll be doing this big week of street outreach at the start of May. Um, and it would, yes, yeah, it's kind of a chance to, uh, it's like not quite go on a big adventure overseas, but it's still within Oxford to take a week out of our life or a day or two out of our life to go out on the street and do something that's going to be really daring or exciting. Um, and yeah, I guess the same things. If um, if your missional community is getting up to doing an event, uh, that will be something which is like within your day-to-day life, but is going on an adventure, like reaching out to new people. Um, for me, back in Oxford, it's all to do with this club club outreach that we do. Is um, having the adventure of going to Ibiza, but in my everyday week-to-week life. Um, I think what unites all of these Christian adventures uh, is this thing called prayer, which I don't know if some of you might have heard about. Um, I, prayer, it like fills us with life, fills us with faith, and fills us with passion um, to go on these adventures. And to explore uh, what we mean when we're talking about prayer, um, this morning we're going to be looking at a story in Matthew's Gospel uh, which, if Eleanor goes on to the next slide, yeah, this is uh, found in Matthew chapter 14, um, verses 22 to 33. So if you have Bibles or um, want to get up on your phone, it might be the time to do that. But we'll also have it on the screen as well. Um, yeah, where am I going? So, yeah, I think before we start, yes, yeah, so this is the story of Peter and Je- uh, Jesus going walking on the water. Um, it comes from Matthew's uh, account uh, in the gospel, which is one of the oldest eyewitness accounts that we have of the life and works of Jesus. Um, it's traditionally been linked to this guy, Matthew, who was one of the 12 disciples, the, the tax collector. Um, and yeah, by chapter 14, uh, the disciples have been hanging around with Jesus for a while. Uh, they've seen him like gain this reputation as a great teacher um, and a great miracle worker. In fact, the passage before this, Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with um, two fishes and five loaves. So this is the kind of reputation that he's building for himself. And then as he's doing this, the opposition from the traditional authorities uh, is beginning to rise. Uh, And so we see kind of in the second half of the book, uh, Jesus moving away from the crowds and focusing more on his little group of disciples so that he can show them who he actually is, so that they have something to hold on to um, for, I guess, for for when Jesus will no longer be with them. yeah, and this kind of all, uh, uh, I don't know, comes to a peak at chapter 16, a couple of chapters after this, where Jesus asked the disciples straight up, uh, who do you say I am? So that is the kind of theme of this section of the book. Who is Jesus? Um, so as we read through this uh, this morning, I think it would just be really good to think about um, how does Jesus show who he is through this story and through what he does here? Um, we're going to be looking at it chunk by chunk to uh, yeah, get into and to explore this theme of adventures in prayer. So we should probably get into the passage and stop faffing about. Um, so we're going to read chapter, uh, verses 22 to 27 to begin with. So it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side 
whilst he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So as we start to think about this topic, I wonder if you, could, you guys could maybe turn into ones and twos um, and answer a quick question for me. Um, when was the last time you felt like you were out of your comfort zones? Um, is this a common experience for you to be out of your comfort zones? Is it more regular? Um, it doesn't have to be just a Christian context. It could be any sort of context. So I'll give you two minutes. Turn into ones and twos. When was the last time you were out of your comfort zone? It feels like we're starting to get there. Hopefully, uh, there's never enough time for these sort of things within a talk. Hopefully, you've started to have a few uh, beginnings of some ideas and some conversations. Um, So we'll bring it back in. So I say this because um, the disciples in this passage have found themselves completely out of their comfort zones. Um, And I think that's kind of a reality in our day-to-day lives, is that our lives, sometimes they are scary. Sometimes unexpected things do happen that we're not looking to happen. Um, There's real good reason for the disciples to be scared and to be afraid in this passage. Um, It says that this, this is... Uh, during the fourth watch is, is the time that it describes that they're, they're on the lake. Um, and that would have been between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., so right early in the morning. Um, they've got this crazy headwind that they're fighting against. The seas all around them are rough. Um, and all of a sudden, they see this mysterious figure, like, shimmering out on the lake. And they're in this tiny little um, sailing boat. You know, like, there's really good reason for them, them to be afraid in this situation. And I think uh, Jesus' response in this passage is really, uh, really clear and uh, is also really key. Um, basically, what Jesus does is he neither affirms nor denies their fear. Instead, he shows who he is. Um, if we move on one slide, potentially... Uh, one more. Yeah, so this is the scene that we've got. Jesus walking out on the lake towards the boat. Um, and Sorry, I don't have a clicker this morning, so I'm, me and Eleanor are doing some hard work. Yeah, he says, uh, take courage. He says, stand firm, even though you're out of your comfort zones. He doesn't say, you know, why are you afraid? He doesn't say it's, it's all going to be okay. This is just a bit of rough sailing. Uh, that would be trite. He doesn't dismiss their fears, um, but he doesn't affirm them either. He doesn't say it's, it's totally okay for you to be afraid. Um, there is something for the disciples to be nervous about here. Um, and in fact, Jesus has, has sent them into this situation. Um, he went away to go on his mountainside to pray and sent them on the boat by themselves. Um, if you know, I guess, the, the Gospel of Matthew in 
back in chapter 8, Jesus, in a very similar situation, completely calms the storm and stops the storm from happening. So it's clearly within his possibility to, to do this. But instead, he's teaching them. He's showing them something slightly different um, in this story. Instead of uh, them being crushed by their fears, Jesus says, take heart, be, take courage. And then he says this really interesting thing, it is I, um, which, as some have said, it could be better translated as I am. Um, now, I wonder if this reminds you of anywhere else in the Bible. Um, for me, it reminds us of Exodus, um, uh, the book of Exodus, uh, where, there's this, where there's this passage where Moses gets to meet God uh, in a burning bush. Um, and when Moses asks for God's name, he gets a simple reply. God says, I am, um, or Yahweh in Hebrew. Now, this is uh, a really key theme in Matthew's account of Jesus' Jesus's life. It's all about showing that Jesus is God, this same God of Abraham, the same God of Moses. Um, but not only that Jesus is God, but that God is with us. Uh, that God, yeah, Emmanuel. Let's if we get one more. Um, yeah, Emmanuel. One more. God with us. There we go. Um, yeah, I think this is the thing. When we step out of our comfort zones and go into adventurous places, we can have full confidence and trust that God is with us. Um, it's quite, I don't know, it's quite annoying sometimes when the prophetic words seem to do all of your sermon before you've even given it. But that was, uh, that was basically what came through in so many of the words this morning. Um, that this incredible God um, who we were singing about and praising uh, this morning, he is here with us. He's for us. He doesn't deny nor affirm our fears, but instead he says, take courage, for I am the true God of Israel is with you. And this is an incredible place to start, isn't it? Uh, when we step out of our comfort zones, we can completely trust uh, that the God of the ages will be with us. So if we return back to the story then, um, I think we go one more. Perfect. Uh, we'll go through, I think, verses 28 to 29. Um, so Jesus has just appeared, walking on the water, uh, and then you get this fascinating little exchange that he has with Peter. Um, now we need to remember that Peter, in uh, Matthew's account, Peter's kind of seen as this typical disciple, the everyday uh, everyday man who we kind of see ourselves in, and he like demonstrates stuff for us. Um, so, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. So this is you know, the real crux of the, the passage, the crux of the story. You've got this shimmering figure uh, appearing on the waters late at night. Um, and then Peter goes and gets out of the boat. I can just imagine the disciple, what's going through the, disciple, the other disciples' heads at, at this point. You know, what on earth is going on? This is so utterly bizarre and out of their everyday experience. Um, does, how does this make any sense that Peter's going and getting out of the water, uh, onto the water as well? Um, and what on earth does this mean for our everydays in, in now, here and now? 
I mean, this is in our scripture, after all, these kind of crazy stories. Um, I think think what's really important, there's two things to show. No, yeah, two things I think are really important in this section. Um, Peter asked this question, um, Lord, if it's you. So I think the thing is that Peter is enabled to ask this question because he knows who Jesus is. Um, They've been walking and working together at this stage for about two years, literally every single day for two years. Um, Peter's not saying, Lord, if it's you, to an impersonal God who he doesn't know, um, or someone that he's just met five minutes ago. He's actually, he's, he's speaking to the teacher who he's walked with and worked with daily for 24 months. Peter knows Jesus. He knows what he's like. He's heard and seen him teach and preach and tell parables. He's seen him heal the sick and feed the hungry and cast out demons. He's sent, he's, Jesus has sent him out, Peter, to go and do some of the works that he did. So Peter knows fully well that he can trust and follow this man, Jesus, into any type of situation. They have that intimate relationship where they can trust one another. Um, so therefore, it's kind of justified for him to ask and say, can I step out of the boat? Can I come towards you? I think this kind of sets out a model for how we're, we're to go about going on our daily or our big adventures. Um, they should be rooted in this place of day-to-day prayer and relationship. Um, if we go forward, I've got three kind of examples. Um, this is the first one. Oh, yeah, this is, that's Peter and Jesus. Um, we'll go forward one more. Yeah, so the, the first one, in, when I was in Ibiza for a couple of weeks last summer, um, it was a real privilege to see firsthand um, kind of what they're doing out there. And some of you who've read Pete Gregg's books like Red Moon Rising or Dirty Glory will, um, will have read something about the adventure that, that 24-7 prayer have gone on in Ibiza. Um, one of the main things that hit me, like every time we went out on the streets, uh, we'd get like high fives and fist bumps and hugs off all the bouncers and nightclub promoters and uh, dancers and DJs, everyone. Like kind of, I don't know, it was this weird thing where this group of Christians were just at, at home in this bizarre, crazy, sinful context. Um, that we, we were like a key part of that island. Um, and we had so much respect um, from all the people there. Now, that couldn't happen overnight. Um, years and years ago, I think um, back around 19, in the late 1990s, 24-7 prayer were first invited to go and pray on that island um, and set up a base there. And the main thing they did for the first couple of years was just to pray um, they sought God's will for the island. They sought God's will for its summertime inhabitants. Um, so this was prayer with a purpose. You know, like they had, they were looking for what God was looking to do there. It wasn't just sitting in their rooms praying. They were seeking God's will. Um, but they prayed and they prayed and they prayer walked and then then they prayed some more um, before they did any outreach. Really, they they were just praying and praying and becoming fully rooted um, in God's. Um, and fully rooted on that island. Um, And what I saw in the two weeks I was out there last summer uh, was just some of the favor that they've accrued um, over the years through through that hard work of praying. 
Um, yeah, their first base was in San Antonio, which is, um, that's the strip that's in that photo, um, which is well known for British holiday makers and kind of Larry, Messi, I don't know, holidays. Um, but then they started to have a heart for the main town in Ibiza. Um, so they spent a few years praying and prayer walking around that place. And a few years later, they sent a couple um, to go there um, in 2014. A couple, one of the couples uh, started there. Um, and they spent two years praying and prayer walking and building links uh, with the Roma gypsy community in Ibiza town. Um, and that meant that this couple that had been planted there um, eventually, in 2016, um, the, the kind of state government of um, the island started um, doing some evictions on Roma Gypsy properties uh, in Ibiza town. Um, and by kind of two years down the line, these guys that have been sent to plant out there have been building relationships, seeking God's will for the Roma Gypsy community, and they were ideally placed to, um, to step in and to help out. So this kind of Faithful prayer is totally linked to the bigger ventures that these guys from 24-7 Prayer have been going on uh, in this island. But I think it's also really, prayer is the source of uh, life and vibrancy for our adventures in this country. Um, if we go one forward. Um, yeah, this is, that's the smoking area bridge, which is one of Oxford's most popular clubs, um, where we, well, we hope to spend a lot of our time. We haven't actually got into bridge that often yet, but we're praying. Um, the thing, one of the things we love about, uh, going on outreach to Oxford's clubs is that, uh, we're so often completely tired, completely weak. Um, you know, I've been working nine till five in the office here. Um, I do not, the thing that I don't want on a Friday night is to be standing outside in the cold and wet, um, having some stranger blowing smoke into my face at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, it's just, it's just not where I would want to be. Um, and if I started praying at 10 p.m. on a Friday, I can guarantee you that I probably wouldn't get out, um, to do outreach most, most times. Because the thing is, the real work, the real thing that steps, causes us to step out and go on these adventures uh, is actually done in a weekly routine of prayer. Um, it's done at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday when the group of us who do this outreach, we meet to pray and to seek the Lord, uh, to seek his will for our city, to seek his will for his, our city's nightclubs, uh, to build us up in confidence and expectation and God has been really gracious during these times. Um, I particularly enjoy prayer walking, so I'll go and prayer walk around uh, some of Oxford's biggest clubs. Um, and kind of, uh, he gives me like glimpses and visions into uh, what his kingdom purposes are, um, even against the backdrop of so much sin. Um, I've had like kind of direct adventures in prayer, directed by God. Um, so like I've seen, I don't know, the crucified Lord Jesus standing above one of Oxford's biggest clubs and his blood dropping out, offering freedom, um, offering redemption to anyone who might accept it. So we like go on these kind of adventures. We see what God's heart is for these places. And it's that that fills us up with the confidence and expectation um, for our Friday nights. I've also seen this pattern of prayer and relationship uh, in the daily lives of some of my closest friends. 
Um, so we have one more, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, I saw this kind of um, in 2014. Uh, three of now my closest friends uh, arrived at Jesus College as freshers. Um, it wasn't long before, so these three friends, they realized that they had a shared heart for the lost in their college. Uh, that's Jesus College quad, actually. Um, so they arrived and they realized that they really cared about their non-Christian friends. Um, what was their response? Well, they decided, quite shockingly, to wake up every single day at 6 a.m. Um, to go out to Christchurch Meadow and to pray for their friends for an hour. Um, and they prayed uh, through cold, dark winter mornings, and they prayed through beautiful spring sunrises, and they prayed and prayed. Uh, and by the end of their first year, um, they had seen surprisingly little obvious fruit. What they had seen was a growing revelation of who God was. Uh, they'd seen how big God's heart was for their college and for their friends. Um, and they got to journey alongside some of their friends uh, who they were praying for day by day. And that wasn't the end of the story. Um, so by the end of first year, they hadn't seen loads of fruit. By the end of their first term of second year, a full six of their friends had made professions of faith. Um, it was an incredible and stretching time. Um, and of course, the, the discipleship process since then um, has been complex, as it often is. And you know, these six friends have gone in different directions. Um, but God really broke through that term. God called them to step out on the kind of adventures that they've been praying for that whole year. Um, and these adventures, they were grounded firstly in the everyday love that they had for their friends, uh, but also in the consistent and ongoing pattern of prayer through their day-to-day -day lives. So I think, I don't know, some of you, it might just, this might just all seem a little bit like strange. How does prayer link up with things happening and us going on adventures? Um, yeah, I think the link kind of comes in if we go forward one more. Yeah, how is it that we can be transformed by prayer into the type of people that goes on adventures? And I think in this passage, it's summarized by one word that Jesus says. He says, come. Jesus simply and effectively asks Peter to get out of his comfort zone and walk towards him, walking on the water. Uh, if we get up this next image. Uh, this is an image that uh, Bev Jones painted um, a while back, actually, to show something of who Jesus is. Um, and it reminds me, uh, this past couple of weeks, I've been going back reading C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which, is, I mean, so many of you know and love those books. Um, yes, they're so rich, really, aren't they? Um, I've been using them in sermon illustrations, left, right, and center. Um, C.S. Lewis often uses this great lion, Aslan, um, as kind of an image of who Jesus is. Um, uh, there's this well-known quote, which will come up at the bottom, maybe? Yeah, that, um, so kind of the background to this is uh, this girl, Lucy, asks a pair of kindly beavers who, who Aslan is. Um, and the response, then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. 
who said anything about safe? As we get closer to our God and King, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we learn more about his goodness, but we learn more about how dangerous he is. Um, he uses these kind of simple short words, come, step out to me on the waters, have an adventure, I'm good, and I am God with you. I'm the king, but I'm not safe. Do you know, the second that our prayers uh, cease to challenge us to be stepping out, we've kind of lost contact with the fullness of who God is. When he draws close, when he draws near to us, he challenges us to step out towards him. Um, Our prayer and our adventures flow from this fact that God is with us. And when we spend time with him, getting to know him better, we learn that he isn't safe at all. And that pushes us into dangerous places that are outside of our comfort zones. So how do we go about stepping into those places? If we read on, so I think this is going to take us back. Yes. Um, uh, in verses 29 to 33, it says, Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then he, um, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, I was um, called, I heeded the call of adventure again. It's in my personality. Uh, I went to India um, to a little place called uh, Vasai near Bombay. I spent two months there working in an orphanage. Um, I was very convinced that God had affirmed that decision, but it was two of the most difficult months of my life. Um, there's loads of things I really struggled with. Um, I could talk more and more about all the different cultural adaptions I had to make. Um, in particular, I remember the night before I left, I was absolutely bricking it. Um, and my mom will remember this well, um, because she forced me onto the train in the end, um, to actually go. Um, I was, so I was going out to volunteer with a, uh, an NGO, But I had all these questions going on. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Who am I going to be with? And those questions, they just kept on stalling me and put like this weight of fear and uh, all that on top of me. I I was doing like what Peter did here. I was looking at the waves, looking at all the things that could go wrong um, instead of uh, keeping my feet uh, walking forwards. Um, that night, um, what got me through was a mix, both of my parents' advice uh, and also a call from my good friends um, who, yeah, they gave me this key piece of advice um, and it kind of developed into this tightrope walker image, which if we go one more. And here, yes, we've got this tightrope walker. I was going to show a video of a tightrope walker, but they do all just... Game of the heebie-jeebies, like looking at, it's like, whoa, these guys, they do some crazy things. Um, anyway, no, these, where, where was I? Yeah, this tightrope walker. 
And so I think the ideal for us is, to, and for the tightrope walker, is to throw your eyes out ahead, to look at the ultimate goal, the ultimate destination uh, that is kind of Jesus and Jesus' face. Um, but sometimes it's true that the storms, the waves, they, they all just get quite distracting. Um, and in those moments, I think the piece of advice I was given that night is to look straight down, to look at your feet and to see one foot going ahead of the other. Uh, to break this thing down into its component parts, not to be thinking about going to India and, I don't know, where am I going to be, what am I going to do, but um, I've got to get a bus now. I've got to get my passport out now. I've got to go through security now. I've got to walk onto a plane now, breaking it up into its tiny little small components. Uh, Kind of, if we go up, I've got my plans here, and another one. So this kind of mixture of plan A and plan B will get us through the challenges that God calls us to. Um, and really, they're all part, it's all part of the same plan. Um, we've trusted Jesus enough to get out of the boat in the first place. So now it's just, you know, looking at our feet is just working out like what the steps towards that goal are going to actually look like. Um, what we mustn't do is plan C, which... Yes, it's kind of looking into the mid-distance, which is what Peter does here. For for the tightweight walker, he might look out and just drop his eyes and see how far he could fall, um, instead of either looking at his feet or looking straight out ahead of him. Um, For Peter, this meant to look at the wind and the waves. uh, And for us, it could mean to look at all the things that could go wrong. Um, that we might be rejected, ignored, out of our comfort zones. We could be reacted against badly. Um, and these, these things, that, you know, they could be important. And I'm not saying that we want to disengage our brains totally. Um, you know, there's a reason why we have these fears sometimes. But instead, I think, yeah, th- there's this real key when we're stepping out and going on adventures um, that we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. And if that's a bit too difficult, then just looking at our feet will do. And kind of the mix of the two, head up, head down, um, that will get us, get us through. Keeping Jesus in view and not the waves. So to finish, um, it'd be good just to have one or two final encouragements. Um, I think if we go forward, oh yeah, sorry, let's get rid of plan C. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have... Um, one of the things that really strikes me about this passage, um, and has always struck me, is that back in verse 31, um, when Peter starts to sink below the waves, there's this word immediately. Immediately, as Peter starts to sink, Jesus reaches out and grabs him. He doesn't say, oh, silly Peter, you have little faith. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You can drown a little bit, and, then, and that will teach you a lesson for next time that you have to trust in me. Instead, Jesus immediately grabs him. Um, when I was looking on Google Images for pictures of walking on water, there's all these pictures of Peter like halfway up to his waist in water. And I think that that's completely out of, you know, it isn't what the story says. The story says that immediately, as soon as he started to sink, um, Jesus grabs him out. Um, but I think when we are tempted, if we do get tempted to look into that mid-distance, Jesus will reach out and will grab us. I'm reminded of what we looked at at the start, this, the God of Israel, 
the great I am, who's called us out on the waters. He says he will be with us, whether we're dramatic failures or dramatic successes, he'll be with us. We can have complete confidence because that is the promise that he makes. And I love uh, the last bit of the story as well in chapter th- in verse 32, when they clamber back into the boat um, and the disciples begin to worship Jesus. You have caught a glimpse. They've seen something of who he really is. Through this adventurous episode, they've been moved to worship and adoration of the true Son of God. So our reaction, um, I think there are two real keys here. The first doesn't really seem like an adventure. It's done in the day-to-day of faithful daily prayer, spending time seeking God and seeking his will. Um, spending, yeah, getting, getting to know God, getting to go into a relationship with him, trusting his voice, trusting his goodness, even though he can sometimes be a dangerous God. We can be sure that he will challenge us at some stage to get out of our boats because it's totally in his character. Um, we'll get unsatisfied just speaking to Jesus, but we'll want to do stuff and go on adventures in him. And once we've had that impulse, I think this is the key. Just go for it. Um, Whether that's small adventures, sharing stories, or praying for our co-workers and colleagues, um, or helping out our neighbors down the street. We can trust God that we'll be with us, even if it gets awkward or risky. Um, And for bigger things like going on the turning, or um, like before then, we can be seeking God's face, spending time, getting to know him looking to hear his voice and looking to step out in the knowledge that he'll be with us. Um, and yeah, Al's going to use these um, sign-up slash prayer, prayer cards um, as a response um, to this. Um, and I do just wonder if there might be some people in here where there's a call starting in your heart this morning to go on a big adventures, um, to go to the nations, maybe short term, maybe long term, um, to step out of the boat and walk on the waves of a, another country entirely. But whatever our experience, whether it's small, whether it's big, um, I'm convinced that God will be with us um, and that we will receive new and fresh revelation of who God is and how he plans to walk alongside us. So without further ado, I'm going to hand back over to Al. He's going to finish us up.